0: Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Amen, and amen. When we come to this passage of scripture in Luke chapter number 10, we are uh, coming to the period in the word of God uh, that comes right off of the heels of what is taking place in Luke chapter number 9. In Luke chapter number 9, we find that Jesus has uh, sent out his 12 apostles and he has sent them out into uh, different cities to fulfill his work and uh, the wording of verse of, of chapter number 9 in verse uh, number 1 through 6 sounds very familiar uh, to the verses that we have before us. I think about when the Bible says in Luke 9 verse number 1, the Bible said, then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats of peace, and whatsoever house ye enter into there abide and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And so I think we can all readily admit that uh, the words of the commission for the 12 apostles and then the words of this commission for these uh, 70 disciples that the Lord is sending out seems very familiar. And I think it should be uh, because the Lord is is employing both of them uh, in a similar work. Amen. By the way, uh, although I do know there are some dispensational things tied in uh, to the wordings of both of these verses, I do believe that we will, and no doubt we already have, seen some seen some similarities between what the Lord expects of them in their service for Him, and what the Lord expects of us in our service for Him. Amen. In Luke chapter number 9, we find the Lord is calling His twelve apostles to enter into a primarily Galilean ministry and to minister into that area and that region. When we come to Luke chapter number 10 we would uh, would see the wording of this text and uh, see that they are being told to go into every city and place however uh, when we consider the time in which we are in we know that the cities and places that he is sending them to while they do allude to the work of the great commission that Christ will later give in about in about uh, about 12 chapters or so uh, from here uh, we will we realize that it alludes to the great commission where he was that where they were told to go into all the world and teach all nations they were told to preach the gospel to every creature these cities and these places in this period of time would have still been city and places that would have been within the Judean realm of the Jewish people. And so we understand that dispensationally here in this text. When we come to these verses however we do find something that is interesting that we find giving us a sense of uh, what is going on in these first twelve verses and that is is that that is a, a similar word that's found as this chapter is introduced in the first three verses. In verse number one the Bible says after these things the Lord appointed others 70 also, and sent them, two and two. Verse number two, the Bible talks about, amen, that that, 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 uh, these were to pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And then in verse number three, Jesus said uh, to these 70 disciples, go your ways, behold I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Amen. And so in verse number one, and in verse number two, and in verse number three, we find an interesting similarity, and that is uh, the word sent. That here in this this passage, we find a group of individuals that have been sent by the Lord uh, to do His work. And in these words, I believe, as I've already stated, that we see a parallel uh, to not just these 70 disciples, 2,000 years ago existing and ministering within the Judean hills, but we see a parallel to you and I this evening, living in the state of South Carolina, in the good old United States of America, right here in the city of Lexington. Amen. And so this has a practical application for you and I today. And so as we look in these 12 verses, we see uh, some things that the Lord desires for those that Have been sent by Him. And so, because of that, we have entitled uh, these last couple of messages, The Story of the Sent. The Story of the Sent. And here, the Bible, if I can put it in this terminology, gives us what the story, amen, uh, the life story, the ministry story of those who have been sent by God should look like. And I've already told you before that I believe that uh, every person that is saved by the grace of God man is someone that God is sending uh, somewhere to do something to tell somebody about him amen and so we we understand that so as we talked about the story of the sin last week we began to talk about the plan of the sin in verse number one we see Jesus unfolding a threefold plan that he is giving to these seventy disciples we talked about in verse number one where the Bible said after these things the Lord in those two words the Lord we see who the master of this plan is that he is the one in control and that ought to bring great comfort to them that was last Sunday morning's message and then last Sunday evening we began to talk about the means of the plan in verse number one when the phrase other 70 is used and then also the phrase two and two the ones that make up the 70 and the groups of people that make up the two and two those are human beings just like us. These are not angelic beings. These are not people that uh, are any different than you are as far as our humanity. And so Sunday night we began just to bask in the idea that God uses men, women, boys and girls that God can touch mere humanity and use them for God's glory. Underneath that we talked about how this means of God's using people is a pictorial means. There's some imagery uh, associated with that number 70. I'm not going to take the time uh, to deal with that. But then we also saw that it is a practical means. Two and two gives us the idea that it is practical in the sense that everyone that is sent out has a partner. Everyone that is sent out is not sent out by themselves. Christ is not interested in developing lone wolf Christians. But thank God we do have uh, partners in the good fight of faith and in the race that is set before us. Amen. I, I praise the Lord that we do have other people that we can link arm with, links, link arms with in partnership and that are there to pick us up when we're down and encourage us to keep going in the things of God. So that was where we concluded Sunday night with an encouragement amen to find uh, some partners that will encourage us to go forward and to utilize the ministry of God's local New Testament church right here at Beacon Baptist Church to have a plethora of uh, partners to uh, combat the enemy with. Amen. Tonight I want us to pick up of all things toward the end of our passage in verse number 8 and 9 still talking about the means of the plan that Christ here is displaying in the text the, as Christ unveils His plan for those that have been sent by Him in the context of these uh, 70 disciples. In verse number 8 and 9 He continues a thought uh, that talks about how God is using men. And I want to say this that not only is uh, the fact that God uses humanity in this text seen as a means that is pictorial and a means uh, that is practical, but I also want to say this it is a means that is purposeful. There is a purpose behind God using humanity in his work. Notice what the Bible here says in verse number eight. We read these verses this morning as I uh, told you about how my intention was to preach uh, these this morning. But look at verse number 8 with me if you will. The Bible says, and into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. So they're talking about going into houses and ministering in people's houses. That was not uncommon for this day. Even in the days of Paul, they would have house churches and things of that nature. It wasn't until much later on that you see Christian churches uh, having our own buildings and having our own sanctuary. Most churches in uh, the beginning part in New Testament days were house churches. And here we do see them ministering in homes. Amen. So this is during Jesus' ministry. He would go in. uh, They were told to go in. And these houses that they were going into, while, yes, there would be ministry uh, being done there, these were houses that they would enter into primarily for lodging on their way uh, to the different cities that Christ was going to be coming to and that they were to go before him and to prepare the way for his entry and ministry into those cities. So that is what is in, in view in verse number 8. They're going into these cities. Uh, they are being received into homes. Uh, that's verse number 7. And in verse number 8 we find Jesus giving them an admonishment uh, to eat such things as are set before you. And I'll say this, that is something, amen, that most missionaries can tell you about uh, is an interesting thing part of doing God's work. Amen. And uh, amen. Verse number nine, notice this. Here's what I want you to see tonight. The Bible says, "...and heal the sick that are therein." You make sure that you are healing those that are in those houses that are sick. You make sure that you are healing those that are in those cities that are sick. I believe Christ gave these 70 disciples the same authority that He gave uh, to His 12 disciples in chapter 9 verse number 1 where the Bible said that Christ gave the 12 disciples power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. It is not Something that is uh, to, is too far outside of the realm of our knowledge and understanding that God and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ during the days of His earthly ministry did use His disciples for the purpose of healing. Now these the healing mentioned here is a physical healing. The Bible says, heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God is coming come nigh unto you. Now let me say this you say preacher why were they commanded to go in and heal the sick? I don't have time to deal with this like I'd like to but in the Jewish world according to the book of 1 Corinthians in the Jewish world I believe it's chapter 1 and verse 21 of 1 Corinthians the Bible talks about the Jewish people and how they require a sign. If a Jew is going to believe the gospel a Jew had to see the gospel in action, and the best way for them to do that was through the performing of miracles. The Bible said that the Greeks seek after wisdom. All of the Gentiles, you can persuade with them. You can reason with them. You can teach them. Uh, Greeks and, 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 and Gentiles, we uh, are convinced in the realm of our logic, but Jews, uh, for whatever reason, the Bible tells us that they are people that seeing was believing to them. And if you think about all that they experienced in the Old Testament that that shouldn't marvel us either. Amen. God let them see some stuff. Amen. God let them witness some great uh, miracles. Amen. It's amazing to me when I read the Old Testament, Brother Tommy, how uh, how faithless they were and how doubtful they were when they got to walk across the Red Sea on dry ground. Amen. They, They got to see all of the things that God did through Moses. They got to walk in the Wilderness, Amen. And their clothes never wore out; they just expanded with them. And their shoes never wore out; their shoes just grew with them. And all the things they dealt with, we look at, say, "I wonder how in the world they could doubt and they could, uh, they could uh, murmur and all the things that they do." But uh, this isn't part of the message. But I say we're the same way, Amen. We see God do things for us all the time, and when troublesome sometimes come and hard times come, we still doubt, and Amen. We still, uh, we, we, we. Still uh, get uh, frustrated and gripe and complain and amen even to the Lord amen am I telling it right tonight? We're still that way amen. But the Jews had to see something, and here Christ reminds them that as they go and as they minister into the Judean regions that He is calling them to, in every city and place they go into in that area, they need to be performing miracles and they needed to be healing the sick. So the first purpose of God using these human beings uh, as a purpose of healing. They were to heal the sick. And I will say this, I do believe that it manifests the power of God in the fact that we have a God that is not just so powerful that He Himself, that Jesus Christ as the Son of God could touch blinded eyes and them be open. Could touch lepers and them uh, be restored to uh, Think he unto raise people from the dead. That's amazing that Jesus could do that. But if we have a God that's powerful enough to where Jesus could make me do that. To where Jesus could make you do that, where Jesus could make a human being do that, Amen. As He did, He has twelve disciples, and as He did, these seventy, uh, these seventy uh, disciples sent out, Amen. I would say that's a God that has a lot of power, Amen. He is manifesting His power in these mission fields that He is sending them to, Amen. Healing was it was definitely an aspect, a major aspect of the ministry of Christ. His miraculous healing drew people to Him like nothing else that He did. There's no other part of Jesus' ministry that drew crowds to him like miracles did. If you study this book, you'll find out in other places in the gospel that his, and and I preached preached here about Herod and preached a series on him, uh, but it was the miracles of Jesus that even in the Herod's palace had turned him on to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. It was the miracles that did that. So people were being drawn because of the miracles, amen and they were being drawn to the miracles and it was the miracles that brought them to the place where Jesus was or it was the miracles that brought them to the place to where Jesus' disciples, His followers were to where once they got to the place where the miracles were now they could hear the message. Notice the Bible there puts those two together in verse number 9 Heal the sick that are therein and say unto them the kingdom of God is come Nigh unto you. So we see here a purpose of healing. Here we find that Jesus, up to this point, has been known as a man performing many miracles. Look with me, real quickly, at Luke chapter number 8 tonight. Look at Luke chapter number 8, look at verse 26. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. I think about between verse 26 and 39, most of us would be familiar what is taking place in this passage of Scripture. In this part of Jesus' ministry leading up to our chapter, we find Jesus involved in casting uh, demons out of this maniac of Gadara. This man, look at what the Bible says about him. Uh, the Bible says uh, in verse number 29 uh, that, uh, that, Jesus, that that Jesus he had commanded the un- Clean spirit to come out of the man. And notice this is where he was in his demon-possessed state. It reminds me a lot of folks that we see in the United States of America and around the world as well. Amen. These are signs of demon possession. He says, "...for oftentimes it caught him and kept him bound with chains and in fetters." And he break the bands and was driven into the wilderness. The Bible here in this passage of Scripture talks about all of the things that uh, verse 27 talked about some characteristics of uh, his demon possession. The Bible said that they, uh, when he had uh, went forth to land there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes. Did you know nakedness is a sign of demon possession? Amen. Neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. An obsession with death is a sign of demon possession. I don't know if we've lived in in a generation where people were more obsessed with taking their clothes off and being involved in demonic things and ungodly things and being obsessed with the dead than in the generation we're living in. And I would submit to you the reason for that is is we're living in a demon-possessed generation. Amen. Here we find a man so demon-possessed so the Bible says in the verse that we read there in verse number 29 that they caught him and he was kept. The, The demons caught him and kept him, but notice what happens when Jesus comes on the scene. In verse number, uh, let's see here, in verse uh, number uh, 35, Jesus in the preceding verses cast the demon out of the man, cast the legion of demons out of the man, and in verse 35 the Bible says, and they went out, amen, those that, those that were living in that area went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils was departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, that's a place to that's a place where people would go to a teacher's feet to learn and to grow and to have investment in them. Amen. From a master teacher, they found him sitting at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Uh, they found him clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. So in this passage, Jesus is taking a demon-possessed man and changing everything about his life and puts him in his right mind again. I think about uh, chapter number 8 in verse number 40 you find the miracle of the uh, of Jairus' daughter uh, being raised from the dead and then you also find in the process of that miracle taking place you find the woman with the issue of blood having her issue of blood staunched and healed by the Lord Jesus. Amen. We have a God that's so powerful in working miracles. Amen. He'll work one miracle on his way to work another one. Amen. He did two miracles in one. Amen. Amen. Right after healing a demoniac Amen. In chapter number 9 and verse number 36. Amen. Uh, uh, Chapter number 9 and verse number 36 and following we find that, amen, Jesus is in the midst of of another uh, miracle. He's he's casting uh, demons out of a child. Amen. And so I said all those things to say this, that we have a God that's involved in in miracles. He is is a God that is a miracle worker and he so powerful that he extended that part of his ministry to the disciples that was supposed to go before him and to go in his name. These miracles attach them to the ministry of Christ. These miracles that uh, that he performs, people know Jesus for those, and as they move and they go into the cities performing miracles, it places them within the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. What they're doing is. Rem- of what Jesus has done. And so we see His uh, miracle working power. We see His healing and His ability to do the supernatural. So as we look at those things, amen, we realize that they're being told to do the same thing. That healing ministry brought crowds of people to Jesus to hear from Jesus, and no doubt it would do the same for these individuals and would allow them to to, uh, prepare for the ministry of Jesus in those cities. It was the healing ministry of Jesus and the healing ministry of these disciples that would let the world around them that they were ministering in understand their love for them and understand the mercy of God toward them. If you're taking the time to stop what you're doing in the ministry, to lay hands on someone and to heal them of their sickness, that means you care that they are hurting. It means that you care that they are sick, that you care about their infirmity enough to stop what you're doing to see to their needs. And I'm telling you, if there's anything we've needed in our churches as a group of people that it will stop being so self-absorbed with ourselves and our day and our busy schedule to where we don't have the time to stop what we're doing, to reach out a hand in love mercy and touch someone that is in need of healing, amen. Now, I'm not telling you with these hands I have any ability to lay hands on anyone in here and cause a physical uh, abnormality or cause, amen, a physical problem uh, to disappear, but I'm telling you tonight there is a greater kind of healing that this world needs, amen, than just a physical healing from an issue of blood. There's more miracles that are needed in this world, amen, than just a casting out of demons, amen, and just physical needs, amen. We're living in a world that needs to know that there are people sent from God who love them and will have mercy upon them and will show them the mercy of God. Healing is an action of mercy because it means that you realize that person's hurting and you don't want them to hurt anymore. It's an act of mercy. Aren't you glad for the acts of mercy of God in our lives? Amen. And if God has been as merciful as he has been to us, then I believe we ought to reach out to a lost and dying world and extend mercy to them. Amen. His healing ministry, Jesus' healing ministry, and the ministry of these disciples, Amen, showed the world around them their love and their mercy toward them. But the healing ministry also displayed the power of God and God's ability to meet their needs. Amen. When we go and we tell people about Jesus and we tell people we're servants of Jesus and God has sent us to talk to them, God has sent us to uh, this world, you may not use that kind of terminology, amen, but if you're going to someone and you're giving them a gospel witness, amen, or if somebody knows you're a Christian and you tell them about your church and more than that, you tell them about your Christ, your Savior, amen, they will realize if you say that you're a Christian, amen, that you're doing it because of what you believe in your God. You're doing it because of your wholehearted beliefs in what the Bible has to say. If you tell them I believe the Word of God and if you're not saved you'll die and go to hell. What you are doing is you are letting them know that God is sending you with that message because He put it in the Bible and you uh, let you you love this Bible and you exalt it in your life and your heart as God's Word and you are compelled to tell others about that message. God is sending us. If we're saved we've been sent by God and therefore our purpose of of being used of God should be, amen, God using us by means of healing amen, to show a lost and dying world through us giving them what they need whether it be the gospel and whether that be the healing that they need from amen, from their uh, sin condition, a permanent type of healing, if I can put it that way amen, for the issue, the sickness of their soul or whether it is just a tender word or a word of compassion or a word of care for a world that is broken and breaking even more by the day to where they realize that somebody cares it's our job just like these disciples amen we don't have the a physical ability and authority over physical sickness to heal but God if he's sending us amen in the power of the Holy Spirit he has put in us someone that is a comfort and God can work through you to bring comfort to a hurting world. And I think we ought to allow Christ to do that. Amen. The world that we're living in has been broken by their sin long enough. They need healing. Amen. And God has sent us to bring healing through the words of God. Christ's healing ministry during His His earthly ministry was what drew men and women to Him. During His earthly ministry it drew the religious crowd and the secular crowd. It drew those who had become disillusioned with religion, and those who were curious about spiritual matters. It drew the rich, and it drew the poor. It drew people to him in a way that nothing else uh, that he did uh, drew them to him. And whether we're rich or poor, whether those we minister, whether those we minister to are rich or poor, whether they are uh, curious about religion or disillusioned with it, whether they, amen, are religious or secular, whether, uh, whatever condition they may be. And God is sending us to be those that bring healing to those that, are in, those that are sick and in need of it. Amen. So there's a purpose of healing that we see here in these verses. Number two, I want you to see this about uh, this being a purposeful means. Amen. Uh, the means of the plan being one of purpose and a purposeful means of healing, but then also a purposeful means of heralding. Look at verse number nine the Bible said and heal the sick that are therein and say unto them the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you remember I mentioned this morning that this the kingdom of God coming nigh unto you it is is them letting it is that they are to let those that they minister to in these cities that they uh, will be uh, going before uh, Christ and it is letting them know that the God of heaven has taken a special interest in them TAKEN A SPECIAL interest in them. The healing brought them to the place of heralding God's message. As the crowds would gather because of the healings, amen, as people were interested in the healings, or maybe even coming to be healed themselves. Now they were in a perfect opportunity to hear God's message, amen. And I've said it before, and I think me and Brother Lewis were talking uh, this uh, afternoon after the service this morning, amen, I'm not someone, I don't necessarily, amen, I don't believe we have to have programs and we have to have all of these things in church, but if a program will get somebody in to hear the message of the gospel, amen, I'll have a program for them, amen? I believe he mentioned a particular illustration about a preacher passing out candy while he was preaching and said, if if uh, candy will get uh, these young people in the things of God, I, I'll be glad to give candy, amen? If, if, amen, if I heard one preacher say, if having pizza after church will get folks to come, then we'll have pizza after church, I'm okay with whatever it takes to get people here to a place to hear the message and say, Preacher, oh, is that not compromising? I don't think so because we're living in a world where everything, everybody else has something for them to come hear their message and their pitch and their speech, amen. Everybody else has got something for them, amen. I'm telling you, if we've got something that all the world needs, amen, and in their lost heart they're not interested in it, but they might be interested in something else I can give them, I'll give them something they're interested and let the Holy Spirit of God, amen, once they're there, get under the preaching of the Word of God and can convict their heart through the Spirit of God. And so the healing ministry of these disciples brought them to the place where now they could do uh, the heralding of God's message, and that message was that the kingdom of God has come nigh to them. In other words, God's kingdom, God's, uh, amen, His kingdom in heaven has approached them, has come nigh to them, has drawn close to them. Amen. I believe we have been commissioned by God, just like these 70 disciples, amen, to let a lost and dying world know that there is a God in heaven that has come near to thee, that has come close to thee, and is ready uh, to be received by them, and ready to receive them. And I don't believe that there is a king or a potentate that would show uh, this kind of interest, uh, someone, but aren't you glad when they, when these disciples were able to give this message they were able to say, hey man it's not just a king hey man, that's interested in you, hey man I'm sure they probably couldn't find one king in the ancient world that would have been interested in the individuals on a personal level in these cities, amen but I can tell you the king might have not been interested in them, and their governors might not have been interested in them and the priests may not have been interested in them but hallelujah to God, there was a God that was interested in them, there was a God that had taken an interest in them, so much He had come close to them, He had come nigh to them, amen? I don't think that Joe Biden or Kamala Harris is very interested in me. I don't think most of the politicians in Washington, if any of them, are interested in me. I don't believe that because none of them have taken a special interest in me. I haven't shaken any of their hands, amen? Amen? I think I might have shaken Jim DeMint's hand, and I've I've met Governor McMaster, but that's about it. Amen. Uh, Amen. One of my favorites is Trey Gowdy, but I haven't met him yet. Brother Austin has, but I have not, amen. uh, But nobody in Washington's taken a lot of interest in me. I can tell that by a lot of their policies, amen. They're not interested in my well-being. They're not interested in how much money the gas is in my car, amen. They're not interested in any of those things. But can I tell you, they may not be interested in me. There's someone much more important than them. There's someone in a higher office than, uh, amen, than Joe Biden and he didn't have to, this, 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 amen, I'm probably mad when I say this, but God didn't have to cheat His way to get there, amen. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords and He's interested in you and He's interested in me. And we can go out into a lost and dying world. That He is out, is out beyond our. You know, they, I told our young people this morning, it's real easy to be a Christian in church it's really easy to live your faith in front of each other and I pointed them to their peers in the class it's real easy for one teenager to live for Jesus in the presence of one of their friends in church but when we walk out of these doors amen there's uh, there's folks out there that are not as uh, man as uh, receptive to the gospel as folks are in here and to the things of God as we are in here and God has called every one of us to not only bask in, each, in, the, in the interest of God for each of us in church. And I'm glad those of you that said amen said amen. I'm thankful for the raised hands. I'm thankful for everybody here that got excited about that. But that message is not just for us to rejoice in the presence of each other. But that is, it, 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 it's a truth that we can rejoice in. But that text says it's a message that we're to share with those that do not know that. When Jesus sent these 70 disciples into those cities in the the area of Judea, it was because they were going to places that Jesus had not been to yet and he was going to go to, but to share with them before he came, there's somebody coming behind me that you're going to be real interested in. And the reason why you should be real interested in him is because he's very interested in you. That's That's a message that we're to share Amen. To tell others about the message they were to herald, that they were to uh, say was one of God's interest. Amen. And I don't know the individuals in this city. The Bible doesn't tell us much about those that these cities of the of the uh, demographics of people that inhabited these cities. Amen. But I would say this, just looking at myself and being a member of humanity, just like they are, I can promise you this: there was not one person in those cities, just like there's not one person in this church that deserved that interest. Amen. Nothing they'd done had merited, but but thank God Christ was interested in them. The message of Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 9 should be our message. Wherever we go, wherever the Lord sends us, that there is a God in heaven that sits up on high and he looks down low and he saw the condition of man and he was concerned enough to send his son and he's still concerned enough for them to send a messenger with the story of God's interest in them. Go with me real quickly to the book of Romans tonight, chapter number 10, Romans chapter number 10. I've been preaching 40 minutes, aren't you glad I know that? Romans chapter number 10, Romans chapter number 10, I may not get much further than this tonight. If I can finish, the purpose of heralding will be, I think we'll be in good shape. But here's what I want you to see. Lord put this on my heart this afternoon. It wasn't originally in my notes, but just looking and praying and meditating over these scriptures again for tonight. Uh, the Lord put this on my heart this afternoon while I was studying. Romans 10, 9, there's a sentence that's mentioned here, and I know this is talking in particular about the nation of Israel, but I believe it is applied with those that hear the gospel as well. But can I submit to you out of Romans chapter number 10 that the same message of Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 9 is a message that is very similar to the message that we are told that applies to the uh, New Testament Christian, not just the Jewish individual operating under an Old Testament dispensation before Calvary, but for a New Testament Christian post Calvary in Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 9. I believe we are told that this message is a message for us. Look at your Bibles. The Bible says this, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee. It's nearby. It's close. Do you remember what the Bible said there in, in Luke 10:9? The Bible says that we are to say that the kingdom of God... Is come nigh unto thee. That's what those Jewish, that's what those seventy Jewish disciples were supposed to tell them when they healed the sick and went to the cities. The kingdom of God is come nigh unto thee. Notice the similar wording here in Romans ten eight. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. In this context, I want you to understand this. Paul is talking about his brethren according to the flesh, not necessarily His brethren according to the Spirit, not Christians. He's talking about the Jewish people. In Romans 10.1 He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The context is the people of Israel. That's why He mentions in verse 8 the Word, talking about the Word of Faith, He identifies that at the end of verse 8. The Word is nigh thee. The Word of Faith that they need to trust in and believe and be saved is near to the Jew. And I'll tell you this, I believe it has been near to the Jew always. To this day, Judaism, and I know this is not popular preaching. John Hagee doesn't like this and some of those other guys don't like this. John Hagee will tell you that the Jew has a special covenant with God and that you should never even preach the gospel to the Jews. They get saved per their own covenant. John Hagee will tell you that. Amen. Just just because he has a Christians United for Israel organization does not mean that John Hagee is a friend to Israel. Because I'll say this, he may put on special days, he may honor them, he may raise a lot of money for them, but if you're telling someone to never give the, the gospel to a Jew, you're not a friend to Israel, you're an enemy of Israel. Amen. Amen. Any person you refuse to give the gospel to, you're not being a friend to them. You're damning their soul to hell. Amen. Yes, but here I say I say that the gospel has always been near to the Jew because what uh, all that led to the gospel started with the Jews. Jewish hands wrote the Bible. Jewish uh, uh, men were used, 40 different men in, uh, in, uh, say in, a, in a period of time, amen, of thousands of years were used. Those were Jewish hands that brought us the Scriptures. Paul said the Word of God, amen, the Scriptures. The Jewish people uh, formed this Bible and it was committed unto to the Jews to be the oracles of God. The Bible all along, even in shadowy figures in the Old Testament, even in allusions to New Testament truth, even in the Old Testament, they were being shown Calvary. They were being pointed to Jesus. They were being pointed to the fact that God would save whosoever will. If you don't believe me, read Isaiah 53 sometime. They were always being pointed to Christ. They were always being pointed to their Messiah. Amen. They didn't understand it. But here's what what I was saying John Hagee wouldn't like. After Calvary, Judaism became a cult. You know why? They don't believe the Gospel. The Bible says the Jewish people are the enemies of the cross of Christ. You know why? They hated Jesus. The religious leaders in Jesus' day wanted Him crucified. And still to this day, if you, were to talk to a, if you were to talk to a Jew, not an Orthodox Jew, but if you were to talk to a, talk to a full-blooded Jew, full-believing uh, uh, Jew, whether it be by race or uh, by religion, you know what they'll tell you? Isaiah 53 is talking about Israel. It's talking about the, the nation of Israel. It's not talking about Jesus. They still to this day reject Christ. They still to this day will tell you He's not the Savior. All but the Orthodox Jews for the most part. So the Bible says that here, talking about those Jewish people, that they still need to believe the Gospel in order to be born again. The whole world needs to believe the Gospel to be born again. There's no ethnic group that is apart from that. But because of God giving them the Scriptures, the Word of God that they needed to be saved, has been close by to them all the time. If you, and I don't, again, I don't have the time to preach this the way I'd like to, but if you, I'd love to preach it sometime. But if you studied out in the New Testament, the Bible will say that the Gospel was by the Jews. They believe by faith. You and I believe through faith. You study it out and see if that's not the case. Every time in your New Testament, by faith is talking about a Jew. Through faith is talking about a Gentile. Here's the reason why. The word that they would need to believe, the truths of the gospel, was something because of their familiarity with the Scriptures was close to them. Faith was close by them. But for you and I that were Gentiles, faith for the Gentile people was a long way off. We didn't have the Word of God with us. We had to be taught and trained and had, uh, had to have uh, the Jewish people had to have apostles like Paul sent to them and tell them something completely foreign to them. For the Jews, when they quoted the Old Testament, the Old Testament was familiar to them. So faith was by them. Faith, we had to go through faith for the Jewish people. The Word of God was near them, was nigh them. Even in thy mouth they had spoken it, they had shared it. And he says this, and in thy heart they had a love for the Scriptures. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse number 9 tells them how they too need to be saved, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here in this passage of Scripture we find the truth that is necessary to win any person, whether Jew or Gentile, man, woman, boy or girl, whatever division there may be in the classes of humanity. There is one way for any of those classes to be born again. And that is by, amen, that is that is that is by confession. That is by belief. Amen. That is by trusting Christ according to these verses. Trusting in the finished work of the cross. Tra- believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Calling upon him for salvation. That is what this is talking about. And even in a context that deals so heavily with the Jewish people, we find what all men need, and even though the Word is nigh unto them, amen, as a, as a race, can I tell you we can share with others that the Word is near them? Because here's the thing, if you're a Christian and you've studied the Bible or you have a Bible in your hand and you come to them to share that Gospel track or those Bible verses with them, guess what just happened? The Word of God, the Word of faith has now come into their vicinity. That's why we shouldn't take it so lightly when it comes to passing out tracts or sharing the Word of God with people. We shouldn't take it lightly. You know why? Because that very effort is God using you as the means, using you as the herald to get His Word to those that may not have heard it, to those that may not have understood it, or those who may have rejected it and need to be reminded of that truth again, that God is interested in them. It may be somebody you 've passed out a track to a hundred times. It may be somebody you 've witnessed to a hundred times. Can I tell you that it, that next time you share it with them may just be the day where they realize that God is interested? You think about this now't we don 't we, we don't avail ourselves to this kind of thinking a lot of times. But it very well may may be that hundred and first time you give somebody the gospel, Brother Brandon, that hundred and first time, and you're telling them through the gospel, God loves you, God's interested in you. That hundred and first time may be the time that it clicks, God must love me enough, he sent this rascal to me a hundred and one times to tell me the same message, tell me that God loves me. God must love me enough that he keeps coming back, and he keeps coming back, and he keeps coming back. God is not going to be a God that speaks out of heaven. God doesn't act, God does not work that way anymore. God uses human beings to share His message. C- can God speak out of the heavens if He chooses to? Absolutely He can. But the Bible says that He's chosen to manifest His Word through preaching. He's told us to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. He's told us to distribute the good news. That's what the Great Commission is all about. In these verses what Christ is doing even in Luke chapter 9 with His 12 12 apostles and in Luke chapter number 10 with these 70 disciples, you know what He's doing? He's preparing the stage to where he's He's handing this mission of you going to individuals and sharing the truth. You take this ministry that is upon me and take it upon yourselves what I'm doing you do he is take he is doing uh, he, he's handing that off to them in stages. So that here and just toward the end of the book, just several chapters later in Luke 24, He'd be able to look at them and give them a full commission, not to just go to the, to the area of Galilee like the twelve apostles, not to just go into the area of Judea like, uh, the, uh, like the, uh, the 70 disciples, but they're to go to Jerusalem, they are to go to Judea, they're to go to Samaria, and. To the uttermost part of the earth, he does it in stages. Before he tells them, as a as a unit, as a group of Christianity human beings, that God is called by salvation and then called into service. That now, there's no one exempt. There's no one you shouldn't go to. There's no region you shouldn't reach out to. We've been given a message that there's a lost and dying world out there that, that tonight that God wants us to realize that we have in our hands in our possession the ability to reach out into a hurting world broken by sin and broken by situations of life, and use that book to bring healing to them. Use the leadership of the Spirit of God to see healing brought to them and to share with them. God wants you to be healed through salvation. God wants to heal you pers- permanently through salvation, pers- personally through, uh, through the working of saints and the using of saints in your life and the, and the encouragement they give through the Spirit of God? Because God's interested in you. God cares about you. And that's what this tells me, and that's what the Lord put on my heart to share with you this evening. I hope we'll do business with the message tonight. There's more here that I could preach, but I'm telling you God has a purpose in using humanity. you, you ever thought about this? You ever thought that the reason why God may not speak out of heaven anymore is because if God did that, people may not, we talk about, I wish God would speak to me. I think a lot of people, if they heard God speak out of heaven, wouldn't really believe it. They'd say it was a dream. They'd say it was some, uh, some kind of uh, misinformation in their minds, something wasn't firing right. They would never believe it. But if God uses per- a person... Now it's someone they can touch. Now it's someone they can have a relationship with. Now it's someone they can be around. Now it's someone they can identify with. And I believe God can use that in a greater way. Amen? God wants to use people as the means of doing His work. He wants to use you and He wants to use me. And there's a great purpose behind it that I've tried to unfold from the scriptures. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.